the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development with 820 AM The Word. Last week we had an opportunity to speak with uh, Rebecca Pratt. She's the President and Co-Founder of Orphan Relief and Rescue. And I had such a great conversation with her, I asked her to stick around the studio and do a part two. Rebecca, welcome back to Heart of the City. Thank you. Uh Well, uh, for us to summarize what we shared last week would be pretty tough, but just to go back, you uh, you grew up as a missionary kid back yes. uh, in the Texas El Paso area mm-hmm. and received Jesus when you were four years old when you heard your dad sharing with the man in the in the uh, living room yes. about how he needed uh, to know the Lord and that that he would remember this day the rest of his life. And a little mm-hmm. four-year-old girl was listening to her daddy share the gospel, yep. and she came to know the Lord herself. Mm, yes. Those are precious memories, and you know, if anybody is thinking that four-year-olds can't make a decision, they can, can't yeah. they? Yeah, And you see that now in your life with children that you're ministering to now mm. in Africa. Yeah, definitely. Talk to me about Orphan Relief and Rescue. You're the president of Orphan Relief and Rescue, and you work with orphanages in the, we're going to start crying early. <laughs> You're making me cry already. <laughs> well, when I first started talking to mm. you uh, before we went on the air of the first program, I thought, man, this is going to be a Kleenex time. And I don't, mm. uh, it, because <laughs> you touched my heart mm. because of your passion for the Lord and for the lost. Mm. And so I, I appreciate your heart for the ministry and for the kingdom of God. And for children. Oh, thank you. So tell me, uh, go back a little bit and, and talk to me about Orphan Relief and Rescue and what you're doing. Yeah, so my husband and I founded Orphan Relief and Rescue 10 years ago, along with a friend, uh, Matt LePage, and some friends, Don and Andrea Clark. And we basically started Orphan Relief and Rescue to help the children that no one knows what to do with, the ones in the most complicated situations in Benin and Liberia, West Africa. And so that's been going on for how many years now? Uh, Ten years, yeah, 2007, so actually almost 11 years now, yeah. Last week's program we were talking about how the Lord had kind of given you direction uh, as far as working in the anti-trafficking area, and I wanted to spend quite a bit of time with you about that today because you were talking about the culture that you're, wor- you're working in, the fact that um, uh, voodoo actually was kind of the origins of voodoo uh, was uh, originated there in Benin, yep. and, um, and that that has had a significant impact on culture. Talk about that for just a couple minutes. Yeah, so in the area where we work, 20% of all the children have been trafficked already before we even got there. And we're working in five major trafficking hub villages 
we were told that, um, yeah, voodoo intertwines, you know, 95% of the people that we work with practice voodoo, and they're very entrenched into it. Um, the, in the voodoo culture as a whole, it, it has witchcraft and sorcery intertwined in every aspect of life. So if you um, want somebody's job, let's say you worked with somebody and you wanted their position, you would curse them to get sick or to die or, you know, this is just um, whatever you can do to elevate yourself. It's it's all based on power. Hmm. And so um, we have seen in this area that justice for children and justice in general, no one addresses these issues because they don't want to be cursed by their neighbor. So like children, you know, regularly are beat to death and no one intervenes into these beatings because they don't want to be cursed um, in their life. And so they just stay away from it. So we've come in and we've just addressed one issue after the next with these this culture and we've been able to, um, yeah, have huge results in the anti-trafficking efforts that we've been working um, in these villages in. Well, we don't want to glorify uh, voodooism uh, by by just talking about that, but yet that is a, a reality of what you're dealing with, that, yeah. that, that it permeates the, the culture of where you're living. And so you've got to understand what the, the devices of the enemy in order to to combat it. Yeah. And so as we were talking about last week, it's, uh, you know, our American mindset oftentimes doesn't believe that there's that kind of power or that kind of spiritism that takes place. But you've seen that, you understand it, and you've had to to work against that uh, through the power of Jesus. Yes. And so uh, how does that work practically uh, in this for, for people uh, that are— um, a slave to voodooism, and and how do they get out of it? T- tell me a couple stories about people that have been freed from that curse. Yeah, so when we first worked in the area um, for six months, you know, we, we told our anti-trafficking team that they couldn't talk about Jesus, and they couldn't tell anybody that they were pastors or anything else, um, mainly because they would have been attacked to die or cursed severely. Now, our our team is not afraid of cursing because we all have Jesus. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, you know, even physically attacked, um, if they're if if people feel like their powers are going to de- be diminished in any way, they're going to attack the person to stay away. Physically attacked. Physically them. or most of it's done through cursing and potions and, you know, you never mm-hmm. drink anybody's, you know, drink next mm-hmm. to you or mm-hmm. even if you're offered a drink. I never accept a drink when I'm offered a drink in these areas. I bring my own drink and my own water. And it's just it's just where we work. It's how they function through power stuff. So um, what we have seen is with these um, – so when we rescue a child from being trafficked, we'll find out a parent is going to traffic a child. Our anti-trafficking team is called in. The chief of the village gets involved. And um, we, how we intercept a child from being sold um, is we will tell the parent that if we can put that child into school and on our feeding program and help them with a microfinance loan so that they can start a business to be able to feed their children, will they not traffic their child? And then they also have to sign a contract with us. We have almost 100% of these parents say yes, they will do that. So at the microfinance program, they have to come to mandatory meetings where they're learning about business as well as they're learning about a God of love. 
And we were forbidden to pray for anybody because it messed with their juju when Mm -hmm. we first started uh, working in this area. But what our team, our anti-trafficking team said is they says, you know, we know you don't want us to pray for you, but if you have a child that's sick or a relative that's sick and you've taken them to the tribal doctor, which we call witch doctors here, or to the clinic and no one can help your child or your relative, bring them to us and allow us to pray to the God who created this child or this person. And we will pray for healing because our God does heal. And so these women slowly start trickling in their sick ones that they didn't know what to do with or themselves if they were chronically sick. And and these anti-trafficking team members started to pray for them. And one healing after the next would happen. And all the ladies, predominantly our ladies in our groups, they would see that, oh, my goodness, that woman was healed. Oh, my goodness, that child was healed. Well, I'm going to bring my sick child or my, you know, I'm going to pray, have them pray for me. So it was all just watching, and it was seeing the most powerful creator God at work. Hmm. And one after the next, these ladies have come to know the Lord to the point where after the first year, I said, okay, I want to start hearing testimonies now. And so the first woman that got up, she shared, she says, you know, our only business here used to be selling our kids before you showed up. And she says, but now we don't have to do that. And she pointed to all the baskets of consumables that they had brought to show us their businesses that they now had. And I literally stopped my translator and I said, um, excuse me, can you stop for a minute? And did you translate that correctly? Did, you, did she just say that their only business was selling their children before we got here? And he says, well, of course, Rebecca, this is just the area where we work. It's just what they do. And to him, it was normal life. Mm -hmm. But to me, the magnitude of what we have been involved with just hit me. And tears flooded down my face as I thought, oh, my goodness, this is unbelievable what God is doing here. And then one woman after the next started sharing how, you know, since she's come to know Jesus and she's gotten this loan and she's able to provide for her family, God is blessing her and she used to be ashamed to walk through the village because she couldn't feed her children, but now she holds her head tall and she walks like a queen. And just one after the next, these testimonies. And I didn't bring Kleenex at that meeting because I was thinking these are women's testimonies and they're, you know, the children's testimonies I always cry from. Mm-hmm. But the women, you know, I, I didn't expect it. And they were unbelievable testimonies where I literally was using my shirt to just (laughs) funnel the drips coming from my face. And I was just so in awe of God that we get to partner with God in this. You know, it's a a universal need, isn't it? uh, One of my favorite books was written by Dr. R.C. Sproul, and it's called The Hunger for Significance. Mm. Doesn't matter what culture, doesn't matter the strata as as far as poverty or wealth. People are looking for significance. And so when you're able to provide that that microloan for a woman to be able to help provide for her family, um, that brings dignity. Yeah. And that is something that the, the Lord wants for his yeah. children, isn't it? Yeah. Now, what's interesting about the dynamic, as you were sharing with me earlier, is that the husbands aren't really involved uh, with providing for their kids. 
Yeah, the question is always, where are the men? Where are the men? And the women will say, well, they're on the farm. And I says, well, what are they doing on the farm? Are they bringing back food for you? Are they bringing back money for you to provide for your family? And each of the women always say, oh, no, no, no. They don't provide. That's our job. Us as women have to provide for the children. And I was like, oh, okay. So what exactly are they providing for? And all the women kind of look at each other and they start saying things in their own language. Right. My husband is always with me and he's like, shut it down, <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> <right>. Okay. <laughs> but what is cool is that a year and a half ago, we started reaching out to the men pretty significantly and having men's meetings, all men's meetings, which is normal. You know, women don't attend those men's meetings. And um, these are Western men that we bring over. A lot of them are pastors and We'll have them share their testimonies and different things. And we're seeing lots of men come to know the Lord as well. And it's just been this cool thing to just see um, God really reaching into the hearts of men. And a lot of it is because they've watched their women be transformed, and they kind of like what they see. Mm -hmm. And so they're curious, and they come, and then they hear about this Jesus, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we can— we can accept that too, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they're still in their voodoo and witchcraft, but you know, it's it's a process. It's going to be a process of of um, these men just the Holy Spirit capturing their heart and bringing them out of the darkness. Mm-hmm. So it's the first step that we're seeing. That's very exciting. Well, and you and I were talking earlier that that this is a, a process, isn't it? Yeah. That, that takes time. You're changing a, a, the mindset of a culture. Yeah. It's not that they have any frame of reference in their past to be able to go back to, because their only frame of reference has been the life that they've lived, yeah. which has been abuse, which has been all of these things that you've shared, that, yeah. that there's no understanding of what what we would call normal, their normal is a whole lot different than ours. And so some of these men are accepting Christ, but they still have five wives. They still have multiple wives and children from all of those wives. So as as a Western believer, how do you then work in that when you under, when you understand that? What, what is your mindset like when you're seeing that? Yeah, so we just encourage these men, you know, if you have five wives, take care of all of them. Don't just take one that you feel like you love the most and take care of her and leave the other four to fend for themselves. Take care of all of them. Like this is your responsibility as the man and the head of the home and you know, we really elevate the men to try to help them understand that as a leader of their home, that this is the most valuable role that they have and that their each child is incredibly valuable and has been given to them as a gift and that these are, children are their legacy and that, you know, our job is we want um, these kids to make the man proud and, and that the community will be proud of who these kids grow up to be. And then in turn, the man will get the benefit of being proud that he's his kids are doing all this neat stuff, you know. Now, of course, with bringing in the element of the Lord, which the God who created them, we talk in the sense of the God who created us because they they believe in many gods. And with the voodoo practice, it's the many gods. They'll talk about many gods. So we always bring it back to the God who created us. And what's interesting is they all will shake their heads yes when you start talking about the one God, the almighty, powerful God who created us. It resonates of truth. And um, and so we've got their ear, and now it's watching God just unfold 
in this, these villages. You're listening to Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development. Our guest today is Rebecca Pratt. She's the president and co-founder of Orphan Relief and Rescue. And Rebecca, as, as we're talking here, you had mentioned the chiefs. And so uh, a while back, the, some of the chiefs and some of the tribal leaders had come to know the Lord as well. Yes. What happens when, when a chief comes to know Jesus. Yeah, so it's very exciting when these chiefs actually accept the Lord, which we're now, we've seen two major uh, chiefs and his, like, I would say it's kind of like an eldership of the village, Mm -hmm. accept the Lord. And what that means is it doesn't mean that he's renouncing all his other religions, but what it does mean is that he's endorsing Christianity as being a religion that he endorses now in the village. So anything we want to do under the Christian faith, he's actually put his blessing on it. So that's very significant for us in him just even accepting the Lord. Now, we know the power of the Holy Spirit will get him. They'll, you know, the Lord will get him in his dreams and in his daily life. Right. But for us as an organization who's trying to bring Jesus you know, in these beautiful ways, we've been we've hit roadblocks everywhere we go. But once these chiefs endorse it like they do, just accepting that, you know, they're now a Christian, then it opens up a whole new level for us in these villages. You know, as I listen to you, there has to be, I would think, there's a mindset of you gotta be Rebecca and you gotta let God be God as far mm-hmm. as dealing with all of these these yeah. different cultural issues yeah. that, you know, you know what the word says and you know, as a Westerner, what what our application of the word is and, yeah. and how we live our lives here in Western culture. But you're bringing the gospel to people who don't have that same thought or yeah. that same, as I was talking about earlier, that same norm. And so as you bring the gospel to them, obviously there's behavioral changes and there's heart changes, but yet there is as we said earlier, that that process that takes time for that culture to change, for that yeah. mindset to change. And um, that may be years. Yeah. It may be weeks, but it may be years as well as those lives are being transformed by yeah. the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and what it, it's doing is it's pricking their conscience, which is the Holy Spirit, you know? Yeah. Um, we don't realize how much the Holy Spirit is uh, talking to us throughout the day, because we'll just chalk it up as, well, that was our conscience, you know. But that's the Holy Spirit constantly, and and that's what they're experiencing. Is It's like their conscience is pricked when they want to sell their child or traffic their child. Their conscience is pricked now, where they're like, you know, this isn't the best thing for my child, as well as children who are coming back from being trafficked. Um, We told parents if they know where their child was trafficked to and can get them back, we'll put them on our program. And and so we've got 39 kids that have been brought back. Um, 258 kids have been intercepted from being sold and trafficked. And so with these kids that have come back, though, we're telling them, tell your stories. And their stories are unbelievable. And these parents are shocked that this actually, this stuff happened to their kids, you know, because they never even talk about it. They've never talked about it. They've never entertained the conversation that their child is actually abused once they are taken away. What do they think's happening? They don't even go there in conversation. Interesting. And so we're pricking the conscience of just having these kids tell their stories and letting making parents listen because we'll do it in a group setting 
And um, it's it's pretty shocking that these these parents are mortified that, oh, my goodness, my child was abused, you know. And, mm-hmm. and for us, it's just common sense. Well, it's it's almost that concept of their coming out of darkness, walking into light. Yes. And the light is revealing the yes. truth of what's happening. Yeah. And when people are responsive to the truth, then lives yeah. change. Yeah, so true. So we've got about five minutes left. So what's next for y'all? You've, you've lived a pretty exciting life so far and lots of challenges. What do you see happening or what do you f- what do you want to happen here in the next few years? Yeah, so in Liberia we have a program called Break the Silence where it's empowering kids that don't know what their rights are against sexual and physical abuse as well as being trafficked. Um, We air on the radio an 800 number that we fund, a hotline in Liberia, the only hotline that actually is running and works for this purpose. Um, We have two social workers that are um, in charge of that and just helping rescue kids out of domestic and physical and um, sexual abuse. And so that is kind of going forward in a big way. Um, Our anti-trafficking efforts in Benin continue to flourish. Um... I just see God just continuing to expand our work. You know, wherever we go, God is always in the business of redeeming, restoring, and rescuing. That's his business. And whenever we come alongside the Lord in those three things, we're going to have the favor of God in our life. And then we have to strategically figure out what's just the good. There's a lot of good in the world to do, but then there's the best and there's the highest that God wants us to touch. And wherever God has his incredible favor and handprints on, that's where I'm going to follow. And the things, you know, there's just so much good and we're asked to do so much. And I always weigh it with, is this just more good to do or is this the best and the highest of what God has? And so I'm constantly asking God the question, God, is this your good or is this your best? And I'm shooting for the best because I've, I've walked in that now over the last several years and have seen just incredible power and favor of it, of God in, in everything that we do. And um, and I just want to see God do more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it is being strategic with the finances that the Lord has given to you. Yeah. And, and um, you had mentioned to me that um, there are, because of your stewardship of the ministry, that you've had even more, if you want to say success or more favor than some of the larger organizations that you that that are in the country as well. Yeah, we brush shoulders with the multi-million dollar organizations, and we literally are, you know, we're we're definitely under a million dollars in <laughs> our yearly budget, and yet we are doing what multi-million dollar organizations are doing, and we're having incredible results. And the multi-million dollar organizations don't even know how we can do what we do with mm-hmm. the amount of finances and. You know, I just say, well, you know, we are utilizing every dollar to the fullest, and we are making every dollar count. <laughs> mm. Well, that's important, and there are the practical sides of, of an organization like yours where mm. you, you have to have office staff, you have to have yeah. staff both here in the U.S. as well as yeah. in-country, yep. and so there's those practical things that have to happen that that that's yeah. spent money on, but yet— you're ministering and you're reaching people for the gospel and mm. young children and changing lives. Yeah. Well, if people want to get a hold of you, want to give or just want to pray for you or find out more about Orphan Relief and Rescue, what do they do? Yeah, you can go to our website. It's um, Orphan Relief 
andrescue.org, all lowercase, one word, spell out the and word. And just check us out, and yeah, there's lots of information on there. Yeah. Well, we've got a little less than a minute left. I'd, I'd love for you to just share a final thought about uh, if someone's listening today and the Lord's prompting them to do something, what would you encourage them to do? Yeah, God is prompting our heart. When God prompts our hearts, he's prompting our heart because he wants to accomplish his perfect will through our life. And as we say yes to those things, that's where the power of the Holy Spirit comes through in mighty, incredible ways. And so don't ignore those promptings. Really listen and and then test it with the Lord, if that's truly the Lord, and then walk in it. Hmm. Well, Rebecca, Rebecca Pratt, president and co-founder of Orphan Relief and Rescue, I want to thank you today for being on Heart of the City. If you'd like to hear this week's interview and last week's as well, you can go to the local programs tab of The Word Seattle and click on that, and then my smiling face is right there. And you can click on podcasts and listen to any of the interviews that we've done over the last year. Rebecca, thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on 820 AM The Word. Call Chuck Olmstead at 206-269-6216 or go to 820amtheword.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.